welcome. I'm Emily Walborn. I am Nako Narder, and this is Half Asian Half Hour. And today we're talking on animation stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There was a big shift, a cultural reset, if you will, this summer. Um, and we want to start off by saying that this sort of Jenny Slate and Allison Brie and Kristen Bell and people from The Simpsons all denounced, like stepping down from these roles, voicing these roles of color is a really good thing. The timing was a little bit inappropriate because it was yeah. pulling focus from and misunderstanding the point of the Black Lives Matter protests. Um, and so we we understand that this is not <laughs> what the point of the protests was. This is a a positive result that might have come from executives wanting to sort of cover their asses in like a publicity move more than actually mm-hmm. wanting to help anything. Um, and so we we understand that those things are separate. Yeah, I think there there could have been a better moment, you know. It definitely wasn't at all a priority mm-hmm. of the protests to have um, these characters yeah. <laughs> in cartoons be, um, like, not to say, you know, not to diminish it by any means. Like, it is an important step in yeah. representation. But, you know, just a bad, a bad moment that it all came together, I think. Yeah. And, and at worst, not saying this is necessarily what was happening, but historically when like these sort of symbolic uh, changes are made. It is inactive uh, attempt to keep any like uh, more meaningful changes from taking place. Yeah. So we hope that's not what this is. And we think that the movement is large enough that multiple things can happen. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that is pretty big news. Mm-hmm. I'd say in this, in our for our premium listeners who have our old episodes, we really complained about this stuff quite a bit. We talked about it a lot, yeah. absolutely constantly. Um, but Allison Bree put out a statement after the show had run its complete course, but she uh, has sort of come to the really smart realization that people of color should play people of color on shows like BoJack. Yes. I did watch, I have to say, I watched, like, the first 10 minutes of the BoJack episode where um, her character goes to Vietnam, Mm -hmm. and I have to say, I wanted to, like, punch a wall. I was like, this is, this is just, like, laughable how, it's just laughable. It's like, she, she, like, started visiting their, like, reasons to go to Vietnam. Reason one, to reconnect with your ancestral roots. I was like, LOL, this is the biggest <laughs> LOL I've ever seen on a show. My God. Oh, like, my God. Alice Simpry talking about reconnecting with her, her ancestral roots. Oh, no. Hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is crazy. That sucks. Well, and then they, like, try to play it off. Then the next scene, they, like, try to play it off as, like, well, she's American, so she'd have to go. It was, like, you can't even get into the complexities of being Asian American and going to Asia. Like, you have no idea. Yeah. You have no idea as a writer's room how to even handle that. Yeah. And it was so poorly handled in that one scene I saw. So. 
That sucks. I believe that they brought on a consultant for that episode, a cultural consultant who was Vietnamese. I could be wrong, but I think that they did for that one episode. And Raphael Babo Waxberg was like, yeah, that was not enough, obviously, in retrospect, like to bring in a cultural consultant for one episode when we had no Vietnamese writers was a, we biffed it. Yeah, and I think, like, you know, I think maybe if I, if I watch more of it, there's more underlying. Like, I'm sure that cultural consultant stuff would come through. It's just kind of, like, hard to be, like, hear Alison Bree's voice, hear them talking about this stuff, and, like, the disjointedness of that is kind of just, like, LOL. I can't. Yes. This is so and funny. <laughs> it feels like it's rubbing it in to be, like oh, you wanted an Asian person to voice this? Well, you're getting Alison Brie. And actually, we're going to go hard on her, like, Asian story, and now we're going to tackle this thing that you guys really, like, I will never get sick of watching an Asian-American person go to Asia and grapple with that. It's really complex. Yeah, We only have really two pieces of Asian-Americans <laughs> and the farewell are kind of the two pieces yeah. that we have actually discussing that, like, I would love to see more nuance and more people who are smarter than me articulate this experience. And you just took one of the three opportunities <laughs> and gave it to Alison Brie and your non-Vietnamese writer's room. Yeah, It is like they're really twisting the knife. Plus, just listening to her speak Vietnamese, it's just like, oof. No, she's Vietnamese? <laughs> yeah. At some no. point, you're like, oof, oof, oof. Okay. Boing. Oh. Yeah. So that sucks. But we're not here to talk about that. We're here to no, talk no, about no. Tuka and Birdie. Hell yeah. Starring Tiffany Haddish, Ali Wong, and Stephen. Wong. Yes. Yes. I love yeah. Tuka and Birdie. It's really good. And I wish more people had watched it. I didn't watch it until yesterday. So I'm, I can't really criticize anybody. But I also, I have to finish it. I started watching it when it came out, but I still have to finish it. It's just such a fun show that I'm always like, I want to like sit down and fully like invest in watching it. Yeah, I can tell I'm going to rewatch it when I'm high. It is like a good, <laughs> like anyone who liked Broad City is going to like this show. Yeah, it's it, it's very much like the, like the, especially the animation episodes yeah. of Broad City. It like has a very similar vibe. Totally. And just in terms of like animation and how they do it. Yeah. It's, fun. it's really like cozy, like really mm -hmm. good colors. Plus, they have Nicole Byer doing, like, most of the voices. I love yeah. it. Yeah, insanely good cat. Reggie Watts, Aquafina, mm -hmm. like, a ton of people, most of them. And so I read Alex Jung's Vulture piece where he profiled Raphael Babo Axberg, and they talked about how the mistakes that he made with Bojack. And he mm -hmm. said, like, he really tried to look at it from a numbers perspective of, like, how many people of color are we hiring to mm -hmm. voice these characters? How many people of like how many characters is each person of color voicing? Like, cause that's cause he said if you look at the numbers of how many people of color are hiring, it's pretty good. But if you look at how many lines they're getting, it's way worse proportionate. Hmm. Yeah. And so he was really trying to keep track of the numbers, which I think is smart because you can't really use like your gut feeling the way that like a minority can. So he was like, what is a way that I can keep myself accountable? And he said, like, if you go through the seasons, like, you're watching it improve over the five seasons. And I think that this, he did not executive produce Tuca and Birdie, but he was pretty heavily involved. And from what I understand about BoJack, they seem like pretty similar shows. 
And to me, this is a continuation of that improvement. And to me, this yeah. is a very legitimate redemption. Yeah, I, I agree. I think like it's, I don't know the numbers and the facts and statistics, but I feel like it's got to be the most diverse like cast that any animation show has ever had. Definitely. Yeah, I think in the pilot, four out of six guest stars were people of color. That's awesome. I mean, plus just the like the leads yeah. of Ali Wong. And Tiffany yeah. Haddish, which is like, I don't even know why Netflix would cancel it. If you have those two, what are you doing? Literally. And Stephen, all of them are good. They never talk about race. Like, yeah. they get to be funny. Mm-hmm. The only time race was really brought up, it wasn't even brought up. But in the pilot, you see um, Stephen Young's character trying to put his, like, toothbrush in their cabinet in the bathroom. And he puts it on top of a jar that says that has like Asian writing on it. I couldn't tell if it was big car or fire car. And I don't know what, <laughs> but I was like, oh, Asian little detail. And that was the only mention of race that was in the yeah. entire show. They just all got to be funny. Yeah, which I also think is like such an important form of representation. Like I feel like we say it a lot on this show. Mm-hmm. Like, like we need representation that doesn't talk about it but like is represented in the actors and who's mm-hmm. cast and mm-hmm. then we need ones that like do talk about it and in the cast you know it's like there's a combination and there's ones that we just need them to be funny need them to be birds <laughs> that yeah. are funny yeah <laughs> you know it yeah and uh, the show is also obviously good outside of being rbw redemption story like it the <laughs> creator is lisa hanneman i want to say i'm gonna look it up but it's really female driven. It mm-hmm. looks like from the credits, most of the producers and a lot of the people who are high level are women. And it's apparent, like the storytelling yeah. is very, they talk about all of these like things that women experience in a really nuanced way, like asking for a promotion at work or mm-hmm. not knowing how to deal with getting harassed or not wanting to seem pushy. Yeah, yeah. it's just such a like delightful show, you know? It, yeah, it's comfortable. Like, I, it's yeah. really rewatchable. Lisa Hannawalt is her name. I'm very glad it got picked up at Adult Swim. Mm-hmm. They are very lucky to have it. They are lucky. Adult Swim also seems like a better fit for it. Like, there's a lot of mm-hmm. boob imagery in it. <laughs> there's, like, I've never seen so much nudity. And it is animation, but it is, like... There's a lot of boob. Boobs galore. Yeah. And Adult Swim is a good spot for it. Yeah. Yeah, I really like, I very much relate to Birdie. Mm-hmm. I love Birdie and Speckle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very fun couple. <laughs> yeah. I res- yeah, I resonate with her as well. They really, from what I understand, one of the main thing that people liked about BoJack was that it spoke to like mental illness in a way that was really helpful and articulate. Mm-hmm. And Birdie had a lot of similar social anxieties that I have. And to hear them articulated was really helpful of being like, someone's gently disappointed in me. And that's the worst kind of disappointment. Yeah. It, I was like, I understand why people liked BoJack. And I'm glad that I have this version of it that I can watch, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I feel, I feel like there's a lot of characters to relate to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh. Tiffany Haddish is given... I haven't seen her in too many things, but it seems like they 
mostly she gets cast as just being like the totally wacky like side person and mm-hmm. she is like really like the kooky adventurous one in this show as well but they also like her character is also able to like give good advice to her friend or yeah she is her and they gave her more dimension than i have seen other roles allow her to have yeah yeah i think i really like tuka as a character i think like She's very fun and like the kind of like the dynamic she has with Birdie, who's like a little bit more tightly wound, mm-hmm. is, is a classic comedy mm-hmm. dynamic for sure. But I like that they give her more depth of like a lot of her kookiness is like the fear of losing Birdie, Birdie in her life, you know. So I yeah. like that. I think that's it's like a very real, mm-hmm. a real thing that I think female friendships go through for sure. Totally. Yeah, and the things that they're going through are really, like, it isn't explicitly said in the pilot, and so I keep forgetting that this is, like, a very, it, they're not overt about it, but Tuka's character is recently sober, and that isn't something that I've really seen women go through on television, and when they are, it isn't, I just like that they got to have their own lives, and in addition, we're also dealing with these issues that women deal with. And then the other big issue they're dealing with is that Birdie moved in with, her boyfriend and like that's scary for a friendship of course as well yeah. what a good show incredible like such good supporting cat caperland john early cola skull oh. nicole buyer reggie watts aquafina yeah just comedy greats comedy get like anyone i've ever heard of if you follow anybody on twitter they voiced someone on this show <laughs> yeah yeah, it's just so fun. I just love, yeah, I love the colors. I love the animation of it. I love, like, the, the like, lack of, like, physical rules that they have in animation for this show of, like, people pop down from the ceiling or, like, they fly across. You know, it's, like, very fun. It's just, like, yeah. a very fun, imaginative yeah. show. Yeah, it's like candy, man. But it's also, yeah. like, very, there was an episode that made me cry. <laughs> like, yeah. it's, it's very good. And it's very articulate. I am going to rewatch it for sure because there were so many like little detail jokes and so much thought clearly went into the show. I know it's almost hard for me to like pick a certain experience or feeling that mm-hmm. I've like can that I connect mm-hmm. to in this show because it's like every episode they're going through something that I'm like I have been through that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So like, yeah. Yeah. Love it. Wish more people would watch it. Glad that. Yeah. Also, Ali Wong gets to play, like, the nervous, like, tightly wound person, which I get the feeling, like, she is like that. Like, she's a really diligent mother who, like, refuses mm-hmm. to have her kids' faces shown on her Instagram or by paparazzi. Like, I, like you can tell that she is, like, a pretty tightly wound person in a lot of ways. But because of her comedy, like, people want her to be the wacky one. Yeah. It's cool that you get to see her not, that you get to see her do this other side of herself and another kind of mm-hmm. character. And I also think, like, yeah, she definitely does, like, she can be vulgar and kind of edgy or whatever. That is absolutely part of her brand. But it comes across as even more so because she is a small Asian woman. Yes. Like, like, I don't know. I'm just thinking about the times I've said something and then someone's been like, whoa, that was kind of dark. And I was like, it wasn't dark. I just wasn't quiet. And I'm Asian. (laughs) You think that I'm being, like, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I agree. I love Ali Wong. She's, like, my my favorite comedian and I feel like she has built a brand that is so smart and like her comedy is so unique in that I think that it's like it it is like 
I feel like I, sometimes she is playing off of like, yeah, I'm like a, a small Asian woman that is very loud and you're not expecting that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it'll only get you to listen to what I'm saying more, you yeah. know? Totally. Yeah. And Steven Yen's great in this. I love him. Yeah. Huge crush on him He's as so a bird, I guess. I know. So cute. The little bird. <laughs> and I like that they're fr- I know Steven texted Allie when he got cast and was like, I'm going to be the boyfriend on this show. Like, I like that they're friends. Yeah. I do just get the feeling that anyone Asian and famous uh, has everyone else's phone number. Is he the one that did this? The Twilight episode, the Twilight Zone recently. Yeah. That was him, right? Yeah. Because I remember that that came out around the same time as Tuco and Birdie, and I was like, hey, big year for him. <laughs> big year for him. He he was on The Walking Dead, which I never watched. He was in Sorry to Bother You, which mm-hmm. I loved. And he got to hook up with Tessa Thompson, which I loved. He also, at Sundance in 2020 the like movie that won the like biggest audience award well just was like the crown jewel of sentence this year was a movie called minari which is an a24 movie that has not i don't know when it's being released or whatever but he is the star of that it is about a korean american family living in i believe arkansas and i'm really excited to see it i want to see it very badly um i know someone who was at a screening that he was at and like he did a q a afterwards and he was like sorry my face is fucked up like i was crying so i was sitting next to my dad and like this story is really important. i i love steven young and i think this is only the beginning of what is going to be an awesome career yeah i think about his twilight zone episode a lot partly because when i watched it i had no idea what was going on so yeah. maybe was- i'll watch it again yeah <laughs> yeah Definitely. I thought he was good. Yeah. You know, Asian people should get to play aliens. I've always said this. <laughs> he was spooky in that episode. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a little scary. He also, I think, was in a... Well, he was in Okja, the Bong Joon-ho yeah. movie. And then he was in another movie, like a Korean movie, where he spoke Korean. Oh, so really? he's, got, he's got, you know, double career. Big fan of Steven. Yeah. He was in I Think You Should Leave for an episode. Oh, yeah, he was. Oh, that sketch was so funny. Yeah, the receipt sketch. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's great. He can do comedy. He can do drama. He can do horror. He's hot. And he's funny on interviews. Like, when he goes on late night, I think he's very funny. I like him. He's going to be, I bet you anything, he'll be a cast in a Marvel movie eventually. Oh, God. Yeah, probably. Maybe he'll be the new Black Widow. (laughs) <laughs> i wish i wish that would now i would i would race to the theaters to see that i as well my dad told me he listened to a colin jost interview where colin jost was like yeah i know a lot of people don't like me i don't really understand why but like i am aware that that's what's happening i just wanted to be like colin your wife said she has the right to play any tree or asian person like come on colin dm me i'll tell you why <laughs> I'll give you my side of the story. Okay, twist my arm. (laughs) We'll write you a a response about why. You know, don't worry about it. Just come to us. We'll let you know. (laughs) This is an open invitation to Colin Jost to come on our podcast. We just want to have an open dialogue. I would love that. I would really love that. (laughs) This would honestly be a huge publicity opportunity for him. Yeah, for him, not for us. We're already huge. We don't need it. We're booked solid. Yeah, we're booked. This is our episode about redemption being possible, so. Exactly. Look, if he he wants to 
talk about ScarJo. We're ha- we're happy to have that conversation as well. Absolutely. If she wants to come on the pod, I'll do it. Okay. And we'll say, look, Colin. I know you're married to this small time actress, and like she's gotten a little bit of hot water lately. And we're here to tell you what what's going on with that. Mm-hmm. We're here <laughs> to guide you and your indie darling. <laughs> Don't worry, you'll blow up after this, don't worry. Yeah, this is really going to be the the image rebranding that you need to sort of (laughs) take it to the next level. I honestly feel like it could help his brand to come on and talk to us. I absolutely think it would help him. (laughs) It might not be good for us, because we wouldn't do a good job, I think. (laughs) I'm willing to make that sacrifice for Colin, okay? Anything for my fellow Harvard grad. I feel like we would actually crush it. Yeah? I think if we prepared the right questions. And we wouldn't try to to get him or anything. We'd try to just... No gotcha journalism? No gotcha journalism. I would just play jokes for him from Mm -hmm. Weekend Update that he's told and tell him why those are offensive. (laughs) Help Colin Jost be on the right path to enlightenment. Something that ScarJo is all about. As an Asian American. Yes. And as a devout Buddhist. <laughs> yep. But if I said it once, I've said it a million times. ScarJo is a devout, devout. Buddhist. Um, Hollywood's open secret. She didn't want to be sort of a religious radical. She didn't want to get <laughs> the Tom Cruise treatment. And that's fair. She's entitled to that privacy. But pretty much none other. Oh, I also liked in the pilot, the episode where... Or the moment... When Speckle is like, the reason I want to move in with you is because, like, you go outside and the world is blue and then you go and look in on these, like, windows and there are these, like, little spots of yellow. And, like, I want to be that yellow with you. One, like, what a beautiful articulation of a moment that we all know. I love looking into people's apartment windows and being like, I wish I were had, like, salad tongs and had a dinner, <laughs> a candelabra for my dining table. But also, yeah. obviously, I clocked him saying yellow. Obviously, I clocked... You know, Crazy Rich Asians, Yellow, Coldplay. Mm-hmm. So I, I liked that. I know it wasn't intentional, or I assume it wasn't intentional as, like, a shout-out to Yellow people, but I clocked it. But I think it's so fun that, like, we can read into stuff like that because mm-hmm. two, like, two major characters mm-hmm. are voiced by Asian people. And mm-hmm. I think that's so fun that we get to, that we get to have that. Yeah. We finally get to have something. And I love that this was animated, of course, but now I really, I will not rest until Ali Wong and Tiffany Haddish and Steven Yeun are in a, a live-action rom-com. Oh, that'd be so good. We gotta do Always Be My Maybe. We do. We do gotta do that. Ali she Wong, was- wow. She's so, I love her. <laughs> And I love I've I love that her crusade is just trying to show everybody that Asian guys are hot, which they are, and I appreciate her because it's work that for whatever reason does need to be done. Look, it's Rachel Bloom has the same mission and and her and Crazy X. True, that's correct. And this hat like Broad City, like we're starting to see it more. We're starting to see. I was watching Bowen Yang and Matt Rogers and Rachel Winitsky and some other people. Like, back when they did UCB, had a show called You Will Get Wet, I think. And it's on YouTube, and I watched a little bit of it. But there's, like, a little disclaimer at the top where it's, like, if you, like, have a hard time with strobe lights or you don't want to get wet or have a, are afraid of an Asian love interest, like, <laughs> I 
was like, hell yeah. And I think people were afraid of an Asian love interest, but now they're kind of not. I hope not. Mm -hmm. I hope not. I mean, yeah, I feel like, you know, we had simple favor, Mm -hmm. which maybe we should do. Mm -hmm. For Henry Golding, was the love interest there. I feel like you got to play a new kind of character for him, too. Well, yeah, it was like his second role. But <laughs> like, I think Hollywood has sort of come over this first hump of like, you know, 10 years ago, we would have been like, no one should have sex with an Asian guy. <laughs> ugly. Do not do it. But now we're at least over this first, um, you know, first little obstacle. And now it's starting to pop up a little bit more. Yeah. A little bit of a hodgepodge episode, but I think... I think good though that you know we're able to kind of start seeing some some changes and trends in Hollywood that are good. Yeah. And Tukin Birdie is like I think a huge step forward in and the right way to go especially in animation I think for obviously for like decades since yeah since the Simpsons created our good friend Apu you know it's like been like a free pass for animation to not abide by things by mm-hmm. by proper you know <laughs> yeah. I don't even know I don't even know how to say it it's like I don't even know what the term is for because it's not it's not like yellow face or mm-hmm. oh but it, it it feels like it is though you know yeah. I don't even know yeah I guess yeah. whitewashing is probably yeah term I guess for. whitewashing could be over yeah I don't know what the term would be but and it, it also isn't just yellow. It isn't just Asian people because right. Chris Bell was going to voice a black character on Central Park, I believe. And yes. Finney Slate is stepping down from playing Missy. I also noticed with both of those, Missy and then this Kristen Bell character were both described as biracial. Yes, it felt like they were saying biracial as a, a way to avoid saying black. Yeah. And also, I don't know, as biracial people, I have not really seen that term be paid any attention or given any respect in the past and I'm like oh suddenly we care about representing biracial people suddenly we care about the fact that there are more than one race and not just because mm-hmm. I know Jenny Slate was like I think I told myself I could play Missy because she was half Jewish and I'm Jewish so I thought I could represent that half obviously I know that now that that was not a good call and I'm like yeah why why are we using biracial people as a tool to like slide under the radar of doing like if we are going to call it blackface or yellowface like what like yeah we've never given a shit about representing biracial people before but now we're doing it so we can have a pass to let white people voice people of color which i think is so interesting because i feel like we haven't even we're like just getting going on like authentic stories for like Asian Americans and like and other groups that like we haven't even scratched the surface of like of mixed race stories yeah like we truly have not also if Missy being biracial was like so important that that's how you're gonna lead describing her in all of these like articles in three seasons we haven't had a single scene where she I didn't realize that her parents were different races I yeah like they didn't mention it once so what is the point of saying this character is biracial if not so that a white person can play this black person? Yeah. If you're not going to ever mention them being biracial. Right. Because it almost feels like at that point, like, you want this white actor. Mm-hmm. So 
and you're not going to talk about their race. So just make them white. Yeah. Because you're just at that point trying to make your cartoon look good by giving it Mm -hmm. like diverse characters. Totally. And I do understand in the RBW, but in his interview, (laughs) he had heard Alex Jung on a podcast say, like, if you knew you had Alison Brie, why don't you just make this character white? And he was like, it hadn't even occurred to me until I heard you say that. Um, Which, like, yeah, dumb. But also, I think I do understand, especially watching him and Dan Harmon, like, seeing where they're at now and seeing, like, okay, you do put your money where your mouth is. It helps me better understand that their intentions were good. Like, I understand... Back when he was like, I thought race-blind casting was going to be a good solution. I was like, how could you think that, you little dumb, stupid man? (laughs) But I do kind of understand him being like, okay, I see that there's a problem. There isn't enough representation. Mm -hmm. One thing I could definitely do is animate characters of color. And, like, I can understand why he was like, and then I don't want to just pigeonhole different people to different whatever. And, like, later he realized that was wrong, which is obvious if you are not white, but I understand that it maybe isn't if you are. Big mouth. Yeah, like, it should be clear to everybody now that it is wrong to only have, like, the face of it be diverse. And this applies to live action as well. Like, if the only black people in your production are in front of the camera and no one is being represented in the writer's room, in the decision-making rooms. Like, that isn't representation. Like, it is a publicity move. It isn't helpful to the Black actors that you're hiring Mm -hmm. if they they don't have anybody on their side. Um, And they aren't telling authentic stories, (laughs) you know, or there's no one to fact-check the stories. Yeah. I Did you ever watch The Bold Type? No, you haven't. Um, I have not. Season four, I just finished, and one of the characters is biracial, black and white. And there's one scene where she talks about it in an earlier season, but she recently put out a long statement on Instagram being like, this is a show that, like, prides itself in being progressive, and, like, this show needs to put its money where its mouth is. Like, in the last season, she hooks up with a Republican woman to be like, we can cross the aisle, and she's like who wrote this? Like, this doesn't seem like something that my character would stand for. And it wasn't until season, I think she said there were no black writers until season three. And which kind of made sense to me because I was like, the first two seasons were really clunky and felt like not nuanced and like they didn't really have a perspective. And then like seasons three and four, I was like, oh, the show like somehow got good. And it makes sense to be like, oh, this is when he started hiring actually black writers and people of color um and she was like they didn't have someone to come do my hair for the first couple of seasons even though she's literally one of the three stars of this show and yeah like it just doesn't count same with orange is the new black like what is the point of having diverse actors if you are not going to have people behind the scenes who are informing the stories and have power be from these backgrounds as well yeah man yeah that really gets me about that show Mm-hmm. I really like that show, but really puts it in perspective. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. They were yeah. weak. Like, when I found out they have an all-white writer's room, I was like, a lot of these jokes hit a little different now. But I understand people are like, 
it's gonna take a while and the first step i guess is getting people in front of the camera because that's i think what matters most to like little kids who are like i just want to see myself on screen so i'm not saying that this is a bad thing i am saying we're not done no yeah i think there's i think the honestly it's just it's just the entire industry that has to Mm -hmm. change Mm -hmm. it has to change the way that it it fundamentally works totally because there is just like there are barriers that so many people of color just can't pass to get through into yeah. Hollywood. And that just has to change. And so yeah. for in order for like it to change behind the camera and to like get people who can who can write the stories and, and like mm-hmm. be the DPs, be the directors, mm-hmm. be the producers. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just like a whole industry wide change that has to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And we're starting to see it. I mean, when we started this podcast, it could not have been a review podcast. And in the last few months, animation has changed. And also, I'm really interested to see all of the companies that, in response to the protests, were like, we promise we will hire more Black writers, more Black executives. Um, I'm interested to see what the results of that Mm-hmm. is and if that makes a difference or if they're because right now it feels like this is sort of a placeholder before we figure out what is actually going to be a solution it'll be interesting definitely to see where things go mm-hmm. if this kind of cycle continues you know of like yeah. of uh, white people playing people of color in, in animation I'm I'm curious to see if that changes because mm-hmm. I think um, I think the statements that these people released and these shows released are definitely good mm-hmm. um, I'm more interested in like their actions moving forward totally yeah and in the cases of Dan Harmon and RBW the actions proved the next yeah. show these people worked on were directly trying to compensate and work to change things. So change is absolutely possible. It happens all the time. Um, Sometimes with white allies and I don't know, things definitely aren't getting worse. So we'll see. Yeah. Yet we'll see. (laughs) We got a few organizations to plug before we head out. Um, Would you like to go first? Yes. Um, There is a black queer rent relief um, that you can donate to. They're prioritizing trans people. So I think that um, if you are able to donate, you can, um, well, I'll post the link with this episode description, um, mm-hmm. but it's, uh, the Vemo is Vemo.com backslash trans dash wellness, or you mm-hmm. can cash up, um, and I think it's dollar sign by B-Y-E gender. Cool. So you can do either. Very cool. Um, new organization that I wanted to plug was the Florida Rights Restoration Coalition, which is working to help pay any fines and fees that ex-felons or people who are otherwise being basically poll taxed and unable to vote in Florida, those fees will be paid so that these people can vote, which is their constitutional right. Um, and you can go to their website, which is floridarrc.com, and you can donate on there. Theme song by... Conarder. Hell yeah. Camp Kona. Yeah, we're going to do the Meg next week. We'll do the Meg, then we'll squeeze in a really short Colin Jost interview. Yeah. Yes. It's going to be Five the minutes Meg tops. interviewing Colin Jost. 
This would be good, actually, I think. Feature idea? Does anybody want to get on a half hour? It's going to be the Frost Nixon of our generation. (laughs) It'll be a two-hour live, like, real-time interview. Yes, correct. With Meg and Colin Jost. It's all wonderful. (laughs) This is good. Okay, well, thank you, everybody, for listening. Yes, thank you. See you next time. See you next time. Half hour. Half hour.